It's July 5th, 1994, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Now, I don't know what your business ambitions are, but building the biggest e-commerce site the world has ever seen probably feels like a ship that sailed these days. (laughs) And that is thanks to the actions of a certain Mr. Jeff Bezos, who on this day in 1994 incorporated the online bookstore that would change the world of online shopping. I am, of course, referring to... (laughs) Kadabra.com. <laughs> this was just one of many names that Jeff Bezos and his then wife Mackenzie had registered for their new venture. Other ones included awake.com, browse.com, and bookmall.com, which you have to say serves a purpose, does what it says on the tin, and also <laughs> relentless.com, which they actually held on to. And if you put it in Google now, it still redirects to Amazon. That's so strange, isn't it? I found that one particularly peculiar and I thought it would have had the same sort of haunting quality like Google's <laughs> don't be evil slogan. You know, like it is a relentless company. It has become yes. so intensely all-encompassing and relentless. Yeah, I mean, it would have created so many good headlines for think pieces. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it speaks to that Silicon Valley culture that was powering the whole thing, although actually they were registered in Seattle, not Silicon Valley. And the reason for that was that Bezos didn't want to be based where where he would have too many clients, i.e. California or Florida or New York or something, since he didn't have a physical operation in those states, and he did in Washington, he only had to collect sales tax there, therefore making him more affordable. Mm. Which again tells you a lot about the company. Both this relentless philosophy of like, build it, build it, build it, build it, build it, quick, quick, quick. And also, let's do it as cheaply as possible and let's put the customer first, which ultimately, I think, still are the blueprint for Amazon. Which, by the way, is what this website became. Amazon. You may have heard of them. <laughs> I mean, the story of why he chose Amazon in the end is so sort of lacklustre. Apparently, he just liked the fact that it was going to be named after the largest river in the world. And the first logo did actually have this snaking river. Well, the other thing was that Amazon would appear near the top of search engine results because apparently, and I tried looking into this further because I didn't really understand how this would even work, (laughs) search engines used to order their results alphabetically. Why can't you understand how that well, worked? Because... But imagine before they had an algorithm, before yeah, Google... No, no, no. It's not that I don't understand... You know, it would be called, like, Arian's site of crazy websites, and they'd be listed then, alphabetically. Yeah, except I, open... I spelt Arian with three A's. Yeah, right, <laughs> this is the exact thing. You know when you open whatever the equivalent of the yellow pages is in your area, and, you know, you've got AA plumbers. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how all websites weren't just called Ardval. But actually, Amazon was also at the vanguard of modern search as we know it now, because he was approached by the founders of Yahoo once they Mm. launched a year later in 1995 as Amazon. The founders of Yahoo wrote to him and said, because this is how search engines work then, would you like to be listed on our website? (laughs) And they they sort of undenied about it, Bezos and his partners, because they knew that if they went on Yahoo, this was going to put a rocket under their company. And were they ready for that? Yeah, well, one of Amazon's early features was that a bell would ring in the office every time someone made a purchase and everyone in the company would gather around the screen to see if it was a customer that they knew. (laughs) So at least in the early days, this really was yet another of those uh, kind of tech founding stories about it being mounted from the basement of X. And in fact, it was from the garage of Bezos. Bezos was quite fond of telling those sorts of stories when he spoke at conferences for about 10 years after Amazon kind of broke through to the mainstream. And amongst those anecdotes, he'd also talk about, for example, the fact that his crew used to go for coffee breaks 
at Barnes and Noble just because right. of the irony. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. we're coming for you, basically. Uh, and the other story that he was fond of telling is that they didn't have any packing tables in the garage. So he'd established this website that sold every book in the world because they scraped um, a sort of wholesalers list of available titles, but they didn't have a warehouse. They didn't actually have any stock. What they did is you ordered a book. They then ordered the book themselves from the wholesaler. It arrived at their garage. Then they packed it up and sent it to you. And they used to pack stuff on the floor and everyone had bad legs and a bad back because they were squatting down, wrapping books up. And a lot of the early book distributors that they dealt with required that retailers order 10 books at a time. And because Amazon didn't need that because they were only selling single books at a time, they had to find this loophole, which is actually quite clever, that every time they needed to order a book, they would order nine other books, this really obscure book about lichen (laughs) that they knew was out of stock so that they could not be sent that and just be sent the one book that they did need and not be in violation of these book distributors' methodology. I mean... All of this makes them sound pretty scrappy. But the elephant in the room is the fact that Bezos had plenty of financial resources behind him. The limitations were really about the technology and the fact that nothing like this had ever been done before. So he was 30 at the time. He'd graduated Princeton, worked on Wall Street, and to found Amazon, he had left a job as senior vice president at a multinational investment firm. And taken some of the staff with him and the ideas that they developed there as well. Because one of the challenges that he'd faced at this firm, D.E. Shaw, was how can we leverage the internet? Um, And an idea that he came up with there, for example, was essentially the blueprint for Gmail, advertiser-funded email, but they decided to do a bookstore instead. Yeah, wow. And he described founding Amazon as part of his regret minimization framework, i.e. he (laughs) knew that the internet was going to be the next big thing. You know, he knew that he would look back and regret not getting into it if he didn't. And he was so practical about the way he chose which field to go into as well. He basically made a list of 20 types of product and researched how easy it would be to sell them online and concluded that books were the best option because the volume of books in print is so vast. I think he Mm. said it was about 1.5 million books in print compared to, you know, the biggest bookshop in the world could hold maybe 100,000 books. So that disparity that just didn't really exist so much with other types of product. And of course, the fact that like lots of books are extremely cheap, old books, secondhand books. And they're pure commodities. You don't have to try them on. I also feel like having come from an investment banking background and his early employees also being from that world explains that they were being asked to do these tremendous 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Well, and even as late as 1998, which was the year that Amazon diversified into music and video, they still had this issue with distribution. And this came to a head at Christmas that year, which was so busy that every single employee from the top down was made to take on at least one graveyard shift in the warehouse to be able just to fulfill the orders. And this was a problem that sort of plagued Amazon. And until really the last few years, they've set up obviously this incredible worldwide network. And that sense of chaos was due to the fact that Bezos himself liked to just move incredibly fast and do things without necessarily having the full solution. And he'd open these facilities that would end up getting shut down because of system outages or piles of product would just sit around ignored by workers or like they'd introduce a new product category, like, for example, when they introduced kitchen items and knives would just start sort of hurtling down conveyor belts (laughs) without (laughs) the sort of requisite safety precautions in place. They were innovating so quickly that almost it was becoming dangerous. I mean, it's amazing how long Amazon has been in our lives when you think back on it now. My first order, I looked this up, uh, I was a guest on my friend Tom Price's podcast. He does a show called My Mate Bought a Toaster. Um, <laughs> and each episode he interviews someone about their Amazon search histories. But anyway, uh, it turned out through that process that my first order was the 27th of October 2000. 
Wow. That's incredible. What was it? It was, of course, the greatest hits of Texas on CD. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Mine was a lot later because I am slightly younger. I would only have been nine in the year 2000, wasn't trusted with a debit card. (laughs) Um, Mine was April 2007, so just after my 16th birthday. And And it was the greatest hits of Texas on (laughs) Minidisc. Can you imagine? Um, It was series one of the short-lived, but I still think very good, Hank Azaria Dramedy Huff. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my connoisseur's choice for a 16-year-old, yeah. <laughs> Fun bonus fact. Uh, it, was, and it was sort of a lot, you know, they been um, DVDs used to sort of have like little line, almost liner notes on the inside yes. of the front cover. Yeah. It had <laughs> Hank Azaria with his shirt off on it. And this is weird because I know he's like not really seen as a sex symbol. I think that's but it, fair. But he's very, very buff. I still <laughs> right. stand by that. Yeah, and I... Then. I took the liner notes and I added it to my wall collage as I had in the style of teenage girls at, at the time. I love <laughs> that Rebecca's teenage pinup was Hank Azaria. <laughs> That's so I regret perfect. nothing. You, you can tell I regret nothing because I could have lied and said it was anything else. Regret minimization framework in play. <laughs> Well, I looked mine up too, and I don't know how I got here so late, but apparently in March 13, 2013, my first ever purchase what? was... Uh, I didn't buy anything from Amazon until 2013. It makes me think that I've done this wrong. Uh, <laughs> but in any case... reach Sydney until then? When, Something when like that. Australia? Well, but I was already here by then, so that, that doesn't That's explain unacceptable, Arian. <laughs> anyway, I, I suspect there's been an error in my purchasing search history. But, um, but in any case, the first thing that I could find that I'd purchased was a One Direction calendar, which, <laughs> <laughs> which I'd actually bought for my godson yeah, yeah, to yeah, tease yeah. him because he was too cool for school. Uh, and then the very next thing I got in April was a Bialetti. A One Direction mug so- and then yeah. a One Direction bedside clock, right? <laughs> Yeah, stuck it all on my wall. (laughs) Tomorrow. The reporter asked in 2007 how he could sleep at night. He said, I sleep well. It's the politicians who are to blame. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.